Hello, and welcome back to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm George, joined with Seth. I'm going around the horn here, Anna and Scott, and all you that are listening. Um, we're grateful that you're here with us. And today we want to talk about aiming our thoughts higher. We're on this journey of transformation, 36 episodes of Scott's new book called Journey of Transformation. And it's a contemplative look at just our inner lives and how we can understand our personal story a little more and live more fully, compassionately, and lovingly toward ourselves. But Scott, this book has not been released yet, although you guys have been using it in groups and we've been working with uh, the written copy that, that that we have right now. But tell us a little bit about this book and how meaningful it is. Well, it's been a, I started on it about eight years ago, but it's, here it is. And the pilot groups we've been offering it to, the manuscript has just been phenomenal. I think that we've really um, created something that would be very helpful for people around the world. But as, as you know, Journey to Freedom was the main book that was released about 16 years ago, which, which began this, this inner journey of inner reflection and con, con, very contemplative awareness of why we are where we are, why, how we got where we are. But more importantly, Journey to Freedom was written to, to create, hopefully, an intrinsic motivation to move towards taking action, to make changes in our lives. So it was really the, when Prochaska said that one of the things that he saw was happening, so many people were not prepared to change. They just jumped into it, and then they quit. They needed to spend time preparing. So that's really what Journey to Freedom was, is to initiate that change. Mm-hmm. Well, what I saw was there were thousands of people around the world that were coming on a Journey of Freedom that now they were really primed and ready to do that last part of the, or the, the next significant part of that journey, and that is to go inward into our stories in a much deeper place and become aware of why we have come to believe what we believe about ourselves and believe about God. And that's how we project that onto our lives. And so, and as Covey says, that we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. And I saw it to be a great truth in my own struggles that, that what I had come, the paradigm that I had formed over my lifetime about myself and my beliefs had created a lens in which I was seeing everything. And my responses to life were always going to be determined by that lens, by that paradigm. And so that's what this book is doing. It's giving us that journey through that, um, that inner awareness of why I believe what I believe, what I see, and that paradigm that's truly determining my responses. Otherwise, we're always going to be just mm-hmm. dealing with symptoms, the external. We want to strike at the root cause. We got to strike at the paradigm and our inner beliefs, and that's what Journey of Transformation is doing. Well, let's let's start. Let's start today with aiming our thoughts higher. And um, you should all know that Scott and Seth and Anna and myself we're here to kind of be a guide, but we're actually practicing all this ourselves. Um, we're growing in these things every day, and we're all friends, and we witness to these things in each other. And so uh, just know you have some compassionate, loving, caring guides that uh, are working at this themselves. And we hope you hear that authenticity in this. But this day, um, aiming our thoughts higher. Uh, In the book, Scott, you said that uh, the automatic system must be interrupted by capturing our thoughts and redirecting them. And you start off this day with uh, 
a, a quote from the Apostle Paul out of uh, Philippians chapter four. And he talks about aiming our thoughts in this way. And this is so beautiful and it's so helpful. But he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And Scott, you told us in conversation that Dr. Leaf says that there's genius in what Paul says here. How so? Well, I mean, that filter, if that's the filter that I am allowing the thoughts that I'm believing about myself, the choices, it's just, it's just, it's life-changing. Um, if, if I was to take that verse in the very beginning, when I first wake up in the morning, and make it a goal for this day that I'm going to capture all thoughts that they're going to come through this filter. If they do not, I'm going to immediately redirect away from them, which is what Dr. Lee says. And the genius of that is, as Thompson talks about in Anatomy of the Soul, integrated thoughts, integrated choices. And, and then Henry Nowen even goes on to talk about an integrated life. And, the, and as he talks about his final integration, if I can integrate these, these thoughts, this filter, that's just, that's just life-changing because if I, was to, if I was to record the thoughts that I have about myself throughout the mm-hmm. day, you'd be hard-pressed to find them coming through this filter most of the time. It's like we talked in the last day. They're usually very critical, very harsh, and, um, and it's usually just, just a spontaneous reaction that has come from a lifetime of, of learning those. So capturing those thoughts and using that as a filter is the beginning because I, I wrote here that integrated thoughts ultimately then lead to integrated actions. And so it all begins with thoughts. This is the friend part of us um, to the inner critic, right? Yeah. This is the part of us that hears what the inner critic's saying, but then thinks a little higher about ourselves. Anna, you talk about rerouting our thoughts, which is good, but that's neither denying that inner critic nor fixating on it. So help us understand how, how do we do that better? Right. How do we do that well? Thanks, George. Um First of all, my apologies, my dog, if you hear him barking in the background, he's having a tough day today. (laughs) So um, rerouting our thoughts um, is crucial in, again, moving in a positive trajectory. But often we find, um, you know, those those neural pathways are deeply ingrained and often it's it's the negative inner critic, right? The negative narrative that we have just reinforced. Um, and it's it takes effort, like uh, Scott was saying, to think on things that are good, positive, noble, trustworthy, praiseworthy. Those are the things not only about ourselves, but about life that we want to aim our thoughts towards. Um, but that would entail developing, creating new neural pathways, which is, it's hard work. It takes conscious effort. It takes us moving past just constantly running on autopilot and moving from the automatic system into the conscious system. And I heard the the best analogy last week, and I want to share this. And so again, it's things that take time, like the, uh, 
a, you know, a pearl is not developed in an oyster overnight. It's a process to take those negative things and to turn it into something beautiful. Well, the same thing is true with developing a new neural pathway. It's going to take time and intentionality. And a good visual is like those negative thoughts that might run on, um, on autopilot in our, in our mind, like that's a deeply ingrained neural pathway. Like you can go mm. from, you, you can travel, your thoughts travel that route, like unconsciously they get there fast, they get there automatically. And to develop a new one is like, you're, you're literally blazing a new path in your brain. Um, and so it's kind of analogous to like standing in the middle of a cornfield and you've got to get out. And you literally, there is no path there. You have to blaze it. So you're like cutting down these corn stalks and you're walking towards where you want to go. But it's going to take time. It's going to take intentionality. And if you keep traveling that path, you keep thinking those, thinking about things that are good, right, praiseworthy, honest, you know, all of the good, the positive eventually that little path that you're blazing will become a neural pathway. It will become like that super highway, but it doesn't happen overnight, right? You've got to cut it down. You've got to pull the weeds. You've got to pave it. You've got to, and that takes time and intentionality. It's, it's aiming. Yeah. Aiming is a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, to not have something to aim at uh, does not help us make any progress whatsoever. Yes. I told you guys a story of, uh, I took a surf lesson at age 50 in Hawaii last year. And the, the instructor, they, they put you on a beach for an hour with the board and want to teach you how to get up on the board. But one of the things for the whole hour that they're telling you is your instinct is going to be to look down and you need to look up. And so you hear that for an hour. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I got it. All right, go, you know, move on to something else. We get it. We're going to look, you know, of course, we're going to look up. So we get out on the water. Obviously, the instructor is helping you catch the wave. And then there's a certain procedure of how you get up on the board. But as you're getting up, you're to look up. And the first time I looked down, went right into the water. So one of the things that they said that you found out real quick was true, even though you thought you got it, is where you look is where you're going to go. And a second time and a third time. And then finally, the instructor is like, George, there is a beautiful mountain up ahead. Would you just aim your sight at that? And I'll never forget. It was like, hallelujah. Um, you look up at the mountain, finally do not look down. And the next thing you know, you're surfing. But to your point, it's not easy. It's a journey. But aiming is important. And tra uh, transformation doesn't turn us into something that we're not. It's just helping us aim at the right things. It'll help us become more of, of who we already are, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, to go along with, um, I love that story of yours, by the way. <laughs> um, it reminds me of another, where attention goes, energy flows, is the, mm. is the, the statement. But uh, but yeah, what, what Anna was talking about kind of reminded me of as well, kind of the idea about how transformation actually comes to be. It says something about the reality of how transformation really works in one's life, and it reminded me of that that other story. I'm gonna blank on the guy. It's not Machiavelli. Who's the guy that carved the stone of David? It's not Michelangelo. Who? Michelangelo. No, yeah, it's, it's similar. <laughs> similar fun long name with an M. Um, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, that just that story. It speaks to um, how transformation is more about chipping away old patterns. And, and mm -hmm. I think we, a lot of people can tend to find themselves far down journeys of dysfunction thinking I've lost something forever. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. 
Um, there's this quote from a, a Jungian analyst, a uh, guy named Murray Stein, who says that transformation doesn't turn a person into something they never were. It brings out latent qualities that were always already there. And so just this idea that there's a part of us that's never wholly lost. And a lot of what our work looks like is chipping away at these old patterns to rediscover, you know, these vital parts of us that kind of got disowned in the process of of growing up um, because they were for some reason unacceptable. But that is the key to more of a wholeness, right? And 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 I just think that un, that understanding of transformation helps us know where to aim, where to aim our efforts. Yeah. So transformation is not necessarily. Of course, we work at the parts of us that we know could be more healthy, but the kind of transformation you're talking about is it's aiming toward who we already are. And these mm-hmm. words here in Philippians, the deepest kind of transformation is what is true about us, right? Mm-hmm. We're way better than we could imagine maybe at this moment. Um, what is noble in us? Sometimes that's hard for mm-hmm. for people to, to think that there's some nobleness in them. Uh, what is right? We can all be focused on all the things that are going wrong. Um, what is pure? What is lovely? So the biggest transformation is to believe that these things are true about us. There's something within each of us that is admirable, right? Hmm. And that each of us, um, there's something excellent and praiseworthy about what we're becoming. And, you know, so we're just trying to help people aim toward the thing that's going to release their absolute best in them. Scott, you quoted uh, Lieberman and Long in here. You said, dopamine is the anticipation molecule. If you want to fill it right now, look up. Um, what is that, the dopamine, the anticipation molecule? What's that mean? I think it's the way that definitely God created us. And that is, this to me is one of the most important chapters in the whole book. I really, it's, it's a short chapter, but boy, is it powerful. That my thoughts are going to pull me upward or they're going to pull me downward. And I have the power of that choice in my mind. So every day I have the opportunity to create with God, co-create this this life. I, I'm here's a phrase I, I'm just really learning. Every day I create my reality in my mind through my thoughts. So the reality of what I'm experiencing through this life is by through the nature of my thoughts, either and they're going to pull me up or down. And so anticipating or having a sense of promise, a hopeful future, you know, look at the verses of that promise that I would have despaired if I did not believe I would see the goodness in the Lord of the living. I am confident of this. I will see that. And so that in itself, even though if I'm in a very difficult. I was reading this morning. It's been a while since I read it, but it's you can read it quickly, but I read Man's Virtual Meeting again this morning by Viktor Frankl. And he just he, and he talked about creating things, a second creating, that we have the, the life that we have, but now we have the opportunity to create a new beginning, a new life. And it's all in our thoughts. And so I just think that for the listeners of this, that how imperative, how important it is and life-changing it is, what I am thinking as Paul, that's why Paul's, what he's saying is just genius. If you were just to really reflect on that, I'm going to try to maintain those thoughts looking upward. I love that story of you on the surfboard. It's where you look is where you're going to go. Mm -hmm. And so 
what I'm seeing, what I'm telling myself, what I'm believing about myself is going to take me with it. It's either going to pull me up or going to pull me down. And um, so then the thought, there's an interesting, the thought that by changing my thoughts can transform my life and, and create a whole new beginning. And I can, as Michelangelo, I can see the angel on a stone and I can start to carve. How do I carve to set him free? Capturing all those thoughts and redirecting those. Hmm. Scott, you say that God created us to look forward with a sense of hope. Maybe for some of us, we read this text in Philippians, you know, the things that are true, noble, right, and we, we ascribe them to God. Um, do you think that perhaps a proper reading of this would be to not only ascribe those to God, but to describe them to ourselves? That there are things that are true, noble, right, and good and about, about us, right? Yeah. So is that, is, that a, is that a proper reading of that? Absolutely. I, I mean, it's interesting. As we were working on this for this podcast today, as we're doing this right now, it was affecting me. And I was ref- reflecting on thoughts that I had been struggling with. And I wrote, I just made a note to myself, Scott, you are a very beautiful, loving man. And uh, that's how I believe God would say to me. And, and that's what he would want me to believe about myself. And that's what I want to believe about myself. So that's the co-creating with God the mind is the most powerful instrument in our lives and because we it will it will determine and dictate where we go mm. up or down so much of our spirituality could be about how horrible we are and how great god is and we're talking about co-creating right like and if we're truly made in the image perhaps the things that we're ascribing to god are true about us too yeah. and maybe perhaps the awareness of that or to contemplate that, to think about that, to think on these kinds of things are actually things that are very transforming and, mm-hmm. and helpful in our lives. Seth and Anna, I want to read this out of the book and then if you guys have anything uh, to, to speak to this, but it says too many of us have stopped firing dopamine because it seems like there is some biology or you know that's at work. Like if God is helping us look forward with a sense of hope, like our bodies are working with us, but Scott said some of that dopamine has stopped firing. It's because we've given up on life. We've given up on new life that perhaps something could change or things could be different. We are stuck in the drudgery of the here and now. And this is the reason scripture tells us repeatedly to look up. We get our eyes off of our possessions or lack thereof, and we get our eyes up and it fires dopamine, the chemical of possibility. How do you guys experience that? of possibilities. And both Seth and Anna are pointing at each other like, uh, I just threw a curveball at them. No, I I actually (laughs) love this question because I love connecting to the concept of hope and how looking up is going to, um, it is going to determine our trajectory of where, um, where we go with our, our thoughts and our reality, our behavior. Um, and so we only, um, <laughs> sorry, can y'all hear my little family here? <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to, instead of looking around to where I am, which is in a very imperfect situation where I'm recording with people here at the house, I'm going to look up mm-hmm. <laughs> at the possibility that we have a phenomenal uh, production assistant <laughs> who's going to help, help make this more than what it actually is right now. 
Uh, Scott is smiling. He loves the sound <laughs> of animals. Uh, no, yeah, but really, like just looking up and mm-hmm. and considering the possibilities far beyond what the reality of what we're currently experiencing, it's going to change everything about where we go, right? Yeah. Seth, what say you? What comes to mind for me is that, you know, we can get so caught up in our own struggles and, you know, often associated with struggling is I'm the only one. Um, And it brings up shame and this brings up uh, isolating ourselves or at least individuating ourselves in an unhealthy way. I just think this tends to reinforce our stuckness and we Mm. forget that we were created to be in relationship with, with other people. Even down to like biologically, for, forget about you know whatever your story is. If 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 it's not um, one in which God makes sense for you, like even just look at the way that that your body works. Like I think about my kids, in that one of my primary responsibilities for them in creating a, a healthy attachment is that with those four S's that Dan Siegel talks about is soothed which is a capacity of helping them regulate their own emotions because they're not able to with the development that they have. They're not able to regulate their own emotion, own emotions. And so to be able to like refine yourself um, or to get out of the stuckness of your own struggles is one of the, I think, most valuable ways to do that is be with other people who are more grounded. Hmm. This is where we co-regulate with one another, you know? And this is especially like I said, my kids, they they don't even have the biological capacity to do this on their own yet. But even still as adults, like when you are um, dysregulated, one of the best ways to regulate yourself is being with somebody who's who's grounded. And I'm just just reminded that our our hope is 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 often largely uh, kind of connected to being around other hopeful people. And it, it's 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 counterintuitive because you don't want to be around other people when you're not feeling all that hopeful. But but yeah, it's just it's fascinating to me that we are actually biologically wired to um, be our best selves with other people, and I just think it's valuable, very valuable to remember that. Well, let's let, let's end with that thought. We need community. We need we need healing community to to do this well. Anna, you guys do this in groups all the time. So how, how is this helpful? Yeah, I, I think like even this, this morning, we, when we were preparing for this, ca- this podcast, mm-hmm. we ran into a couple of snafus, right? That mm-hmm. technologically things were not firing all, on all c- cylinders. Mm-hmm. And it, it was stress inducing and it, it causes a little bit of dysregulation. And like even being in the context of community, like the four of us working together, we're all in in different places, but we are working together remotely. And how like when one thing might be dysregulating to to one person, like just being able to like be like, all right, it's okay. Like this, this, this little hiccup doesn't define everything about the experience that we're trying to that we're trying to create today. And let's let's find a different way around. And it is like, it, it changes the trajectory of what we're able to do, right? When we have other people around us that can call out like, Hey, no, this Mm -hmm. is not a limitation. This is like, you can do this. We can do this. 
uh, together we have what it takes. And that is what we do best in uh, in our small groups is that healing community, that divine mirror that calls out the best parts of us, that reflects like we are so much more than the sum total of our limitations, right? Everybody, every single one of us are limited. We're human, but that doesn't make us any less like uh, valuable with what we do bring to the table and to have people call out the best in us and um, reinforce that and affirm that. And I think that is what expands us, right? It, because mm. when we're focusing mm. on our limitations, we tend to shrink, right? We try to fit within mm. what those limitations are. But uh, when we're focusing on possibility, we're constantly expanding and growing. The chemical possibility, there it is. We all experience dopamine, a little bit earlier because what people don't know is that we almost are ready to give up on the podcast, right? We're going to record on another day. But to your point, community and us working with each other, we we found a way forward and here we are. Um, we're recording it. Scott, I want you to just give us some final thoughts on, on this, the, the healing community, how it could be a divine mirror and how what's, what's actually happening. God created us in a particular way that this is so meaningful where we find ourselves in places where people can mirror back to us. Well, they've even discovered we have mirror neurons in us. That, yeah. That we, it's obviously God created us to be in, through through the intimate relationships of our lives that they can reflect back to us what we need to see about our true selves, our good selves. And they refer to that as a divine, as, as a secure attachment. And I, I read when Thompson said in Anatomy of Soul that when a baby is born, the first thing it does when it comes into the world is it's searching for who's searching for them, which is divine mm-hmm. attachment. And then Thompson makes a point that throughout our entire lives, the secure attachment mirrors divinely back to us, to the loved one, what they need to, to see and come to believe about themselves, and that it's impossible for us to be have a healthy mindset and inner belief about ourselves without that. But for many of us, we did not have that in our childhood or we don't have in our lives now. Well, a small group truly becomes the body of Christ that divinely mirrors back to each individual in the group what they cannot see by themselves. And that is life-changing. I've been watching The Chosen a lot, and in the early episodes, it really showed the life of Peter. Peter was 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 not living the best life and he was really struggling and when Jesus does the miracle with all the fish Peter falls at Jesus feet because he knows who he is now and he goes and and Peter's overcome with shame and he's like you know don't look at me I'm 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 a I'm, I'm not a good man and hmm. Jesus says this to him he says fisherman look up hmm. fisherman look up and I, I like that he was just a fisherman you know and in all the things that he had struggled with to make his life work, fishermen look up. I think that would be a great message. I think the group sends the message to each individual in the group, look up. Look mm. up. Because this is who you truly are. Mm. And we will reflect that back to us. And that's a good thing, I think, for our listeners to take for today. When those thoughts come, and they will come, those critical, deappreciating thoughts that, that pull us downward, Immediately just say that. Look look, look up. Physically look up and say, say your name and look up and just hear Jesus say, Scott, Anna, George, Seth, look up. And uh, 
that's a that's a powerful way to to redirect. Well, no one has to do that by themselves. Although we could practice uh, aiming our thoughts higher in multiple ways. One of those is is to maybe in stillness on a drive at home before you go to sleep. And maybe it's to th- to think on these kinds of things. What is true? What is noble? What is right? What is pure? What is lovely? What is admirable? If anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think on such things. Maybe practice that today. And then if you find the way hard, because it is difficult to just do this alone, man, open up to perhaps some friends that you can trust. Uh, There's always a restore small group that you can participate in. So we are all on this human journey and we are having different paths and different ways of getting there, but we're all traveling uh, together. So uh, you can visit us online at restoresmallgroups.org to learn more about groups you can join. We'd love to journey with you if you need someone to be that divine mirror. Uh, Back to you. But over every mountain, there is a path and the future rewards those who discover it and press on. So stay on the path and take care, friends.